worship. May we embrace the wonder of Christmas and what it reflects in the person of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us, who is God with us. In his name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. Hey, nice to have you here this morning on this uh, Christmas service. Hey, you're going to be here Christmas Eve? Yeah. We're going to burn the house. No, I mean, we're going to do the whole candle thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, many, how many of you are all ready for Christmas? Okay. I hate you. Oh, yeah. Wow. Because don't, don't we, like, isn't it more fun when you start now? No, yeah, <laughs> that's what it's, that's what it's all about, right? Anyway, yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Listen, we've been, we've been talking um, the last number of weeks about daring greatly. And, and, and we've talked about the tension of our culture when it comes to our faith. You know, we live in a culture that's becoming more antagonistic to the things of God, more antagonistic to faith. You know, there, there are some of you here this morning who are going to be with family on, on, on Christmas. And the topic of faith is not a topic that you can talk about. It's, it's not something because, because it's going to raise the tension level in the room. Right. And, and, and we all have, uh, you know, those potential things that are happening in our lives. And we, and we, and we last number of weeks talked about the person of Daniel and how Daniel lived in a culture that was antagonistic to his faith. In, in fact, he lived in exile. He, everything that he grew up with, all his belief system, his, his sacri- the sacrificial system, all of that was taken away from him. And here he is living in a culture that did not honor the things that, that he honored. And, and, and we're, going to, we're going to talk about an ingredient today that is vitally important for us as believers. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, it's, it's the ingredient that we have that, that makes Christmas what it is for us. And it's the ingredient that, that, that people outside of, of you know, what, what Christmas is essentially about and what we celebrate as believers don't have that we have. And it's a very important ingredient. It's a vital ingredient. And, and I would argue it is, you know, we, we, talk, we talk more about one ingredient, but this is the ingredient that we really need to be projecting to people, if I can say that. I know I'm being very nebulous here, but I, I don't want I, I to break the surprise, as it were. So, you know, and I'm going to piggyback on some of the things that Matt spoke about Last week in his messages, you know, we prepare for this. But I want, I want to ask a favor of you. Here's, here's the favor. If, if you're here this morning and right now in your head you're going, I have to do the baking tonight and I have to do the, you know, and, and, and I have to do shopping. I got hit the mall right after church. And I, please stop. Just, just for the next half hour. Just, just I did say please. Um, for the next half hour, just relax. Can we just spend some time together and just celebrate the wonder of what we're talking about this morning? Because we need the pause. And I'm asking you to pause. I'm asking you to take, just take a break. And I'm going to read Luke 2. I'm going to read the Christmas story to you. And again, here's another favor. For some of you, you've heard it a hundred times, maybe even a thousand. You've read it. You know it inside and out. I'm begging you this morning to just wash everything you know out of your head and just celebrate the story in all its wonder. It's, it's, it's a story that you hear year after year after year 
after year. And I would argue it's, there's a reason why we hear it year after year after year. Because it invokes this thing in us that I think is the main reason why we celebrate the story in the way that we do. So allow me to read Luke 2, 1 to 20. Just pause, enjoy the story, enjoy the wonder of that first Christmas. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. By the way, don't you find it interesting that we're talking about Syria? Here, you know, a story 2,000 years old. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem in Hebrew is, means the house of food, the house of bread. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who is now, I love this, obviously pregnant. Um, and while they were there, the time came for their baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Can we just say amen? Amen. Isn't that a great story? Christmas, there's so much arguing as to what the real value of Christmas is. And I love that story because one of the things that that story projects, at least in me, and reminds me, especially as a pastor and especially as um, what, what I experience as a pastor over the Christmas season, is this one thing that I think is, is, is exclusive to Christianity. You might, you might object this to me, but I think there's one thing about Christianity that is exclusive to believers, and that's this thing called hope. I, I, don't, I don't believe personally that anybody else outside of Christianity is, can use the word properly. Hope is a central tenant, a, a central component of this thing that we call faith. 
that without hope, faith is simply a belief in whatever. Without hope that is rooted in reality, hope that is rooted in, in the promises of God, hope that projects us beyond where we are today, it really takes us nowhere. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But it's a beautiful story. And I would argue that, I would argue that for Mary and Joseph to, to leave their, the comforts of their surroundings and to go into Bethlehem and to do as the census demanded of them was really daring greatly. We've talked about daring greatly and what it means for your faith. But that's what they did. You see... Mary, for all intents and purposes in that culture and that society, was not accepted. There's a teenage girl who has gotten pregnant and claims to have been so because of a divine act. And here's Joseph. Every right to put her away, every right under the law to say, you know, I don't have to go through with this marriage. I don't have to go through with this thing. Everything culturally that had happened to them, But it was the promise of God in their lives. It was the promise of what the angel said. This, this, this whole thing was going to unfold. That gave them the hope to be able to go and to do what they did. And to, and to, and to fulfill the promise of God. And to fulfill the hope of God. And what God had brought into their lives. And to be and to bring the savior of the world here for us. That's the one ingredient that is so important. This thing called hope. You know, we often talk about faith being the central thing. But I think for many people, if they don't see hope in our faith, they don't get attracted to the faith at all. That it's the hope that we have and what we believe that projects people and and attracts people to this thing that we call Christmas. Here, here, here kind of some realities about hope that I want us to, to focus on. Hope is the currency of faith. As I've, as I've just said, hope is the currency of faith. If people don't see that our faith, that we have hope in what we believe and that we live out our faith in a way that is hopeful of what the future is going to bring or the promises of God or, or how this circumstance is, is not going to be the end of us per se, that we have a hope beyond that, that faith never becomes attractive. See, no one wants to be attracted to something that gives them no hope to live and no hope past this life. I don't know how many, in the last couple of weeks, I don't know how many people and, and how many situations and how, how many circumstances have, have, have invaded my life because of things that are, people are going through. And every one of them has said, I don't know what I would do without my faith. And I, and, you know, and I would say to them, well, why, why do you say that? He said, because my faith gives me hope in something that this is not going to be the end of the story for me. That this is something that, that will pass. It may take my life. But I have a hope in the promise of what the Savior has brought into my life. See, you know, let me, let me, let me expand. I think, I think as church, as a church, as a body of believers, the thing that we project best to other people is not necessarily our faith, is our hope. There's a hope in what that faith brings. You know, I, I, I know I'm probably messing with you here, but 
You know, if somebody is alone in a, and, and, and feels lonely and feels like they're not part of something, that they don't belong, and they come into a community of faith that loves them and cares for them and, 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 and tells them, you know, that, that they are an expression of made in the image of God, and we care for them because they are children of, of God, and we love them, and we love them like Jesus would love them. That is hope being infused into their lives. That is what people need. That's the, that's the first ingredient. That's the first step. That's, that's kind of like the, the door that we open to people to potentially come to faith in Jesus Christ. Because without that hope, why would anybody ever be attracted to it? See, that's what attracts us to the Christmas story, is the hope that invokes for us year in and year out. That we're reminded again and again and again that God has done something remarkable in, 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 in the world. And it came to, to change us, to transform us, that regardless of what's going on in our lives and the circumstances and the situations, that we have hope beyond it. See, it's okay to have faith in the moment, but that moment hurts. And it's the hope that we have in, in the promises of God that tomorrow is going to be potentially better than what it is today. That's where hope takes us. Hope gives us a currency to live out life when life wants to give us anything else but pain and hurt and sorrow and difficulties. Okay? That's, I love Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. See, that's, that's, that's the currency that we have as church. That's the currency that we have as body of believers is this thing called hope. You can, you, can, you know, in, 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 this, in this day and age, you can believe almost anything you want. But does it give you the hope that you're truly looking for when you can see that even what you believe may have a dead end coming eventually? Okay. Here's number two. Hope is only helpful when it's backed by truth. This is part of what, what we're, we're talking about this, this morning. Um, uh, I joked this morning about what I hate about Hollywood. Do you know what I hate about Hollywood? Do you, have you ever seen, have you ever had this out in a movie? Have you ever been watching a movie? Okay, let's, let's, let's play the scenario. I'm trying to figure out a scenario where it's happened. Okay, you're watching a movie, and, and, and the dad is talking to his young daughter. And the young daughter's crying, and she's saying, Daddy, please don't go. Don't go. And Daddy's going, no, we got to go. I got to go on the rocket ship because the asteroid's coming. The asteroid's going to hit Earth. And, and we're the only, we're the last, you know, hope for mankind. And, and we've, we've got to go. And, and uh, even though there's only one pilot and he, you know, and he's blind, but he's got to fly the plane. And it's, you know, it's a one in a million chance that we're going to, you, know, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he says those words that I just hate. He leans down and he says to his young daughter, I promise I'll be back before supper. Did you hear it? Didn't that drive you nuts when the movies do that? Like it's a one a trillion chance, but they promise. I know it's a movie, okay? I know I, I get that. I know it's not supposed to be real. I'm not supposed to be sucked into... You know, the, the whole thing. But I do. I get sucked in. And it's like, did he just promise her? <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's the thing about hope. If it's not rooted in truth, what eventually happens with hope 
is that it turns into helplessness. And then after helplessness, it turns into despair. People will start to despair if they realize the very thing that they've been hoping for ends up being a lie or being untrue or being a sham or being a dead end. That's what happens. That's one of the reasons why I say, you know, if we believe the scripture, if we believe what God has said about, about you know, life and purpose and, and, and death and resurrection and Jesus and salvation and all those kinds of things, that we can place our hope in those promises of God because God is the only one that has spelled those things out clearly. That anything else that we place our faith in, anything else that, that, that we think is going to give us the hope that we're looking for, is really at some point going to end, be a, be a dead end. At some point going to derail us. At some point is going to end up, you know, revealing itself as a lie. Revealing itself as something that falls far short of what we need in our lives. That's the wonder of Christmas, is that it's ultimately built around the hope that we have as children of God. Here's number three. Hope gives us the courage to dare greatly. I love, I, you know, I, I, I love the story of Mary and Joseph because they dare greatly. You know, we, we've gotten so comfortable with the fact that, uh, of the story, but, but it took them a lot of courage to go through with the whole thing. And I know that, the, you know, if an angel spoke to me and you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But the reality is they're young people who could have messed it up. Who could have, you know, said maybe, maybe we should do it our way. But God used them tremendously because they had courage to dare greatly. And to hope in the promise that the angel had given them. And that's... That's, that's fascinating. Even the shepherds, the shepherds who were not, who were not, you know, socially, you know, uh, very high on the social ladder, go into Bethlehem, you know, you know, with courage, telling them, you know, what the angel had said. How many people do you suspect at Bethlehem were wondering if the shepherds weren't dipping into something? <laughs> right. Like, come on, like, think, think about it. Think about it. But it allowed them to dare greatly because they had a hope beyond the circumstances and the situation. What would drag wise men hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, potentially across the desert because of a star? If it wasn't hope, if it wasn't hope. See, Hope is what moves us in our faith in a way that nothing else in life can. Here's how it works out for you. For, for some of you here this morning, hear, hear me out on this. You are, you are praying that your present situation will eventually evolve into, into a better reality or a better future. You can't, you know, if, if I was to ask you about a particular circumstance in your life, there's no way you, you, you are happy or 
you're praying that that situation will one day evolve into something better. Um, the other way it works out is that for many of you, with what you're living with right now, you're hoping that it's not the final chapter of your life. You're hopefully that's not how it get the, you know, that this situation or this circumstance doesn't have the final word, the final say. You're hoping that something better is in store, aren't you? Isn't, isn't that the reality? Some of you here this morning have, are, are struggling in relationships. Or in a, it, could, it could be your spouse. It could be a, 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 a child, a, a son, a daughter. It could be a brother, a sister, aunt, uncle. Right? And uh, the relationship is, 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 you can't imagine it ever getting better. But you hope, don't you? That, that it's not going to define or it's not going to be the final chapter for you as it relates to that particular relationship. That you've always got this hope that someday it'll evolve to something better and something more meaningful and something good. You know, some of you here this morning are having significant life issues, you know, financial, or you have health. You don't know how long the Lord's going to keep you here. And you're struggling. And you hope that this isn't going to be the final chapter of your life. You're hoping for something better. For some of you here this morning, Christmas is nothing more than a reminder of what you've lost. Of what you would long to have back. It's a, it's a sense, it's more of an emptiness than anything else. But you hope that this doesn't have the final say. See, that's the, that's the wonder of Christmas. Is that those things in our lives that are the most difficult do not have to have the final say. Do not have to close the book. That there is a hope beyond it. There's a... If not, if not experienced in this life, absolutely promised in the next. Because of what Christmas brings to each and every one of us. See, we all live on hope, whether we want to admit it or not. We may not be people of faith, but we all live as people of hope. That whatever we are experiencing isn't going to have the final word. That we are going to experience something far greater. And that's what Christmas promises. Now, I know this is dark <laughs> on, a, on a Christmas, but, you know, it's at the heart of, of where we all live you know, I lost my dad on the, on the 17th of December, 20 years ago. And if there's one thing that I've experienced is the hope that I'm going to see him again. Because of the last week of his life, he came to faith. The last week of his life. When... when when months and years before that, it was always a, 
uh, you know, an argument as to faith. He thought I was abducted by aliens when I came to when I became a Christian. He actually said that to me. He said, "You know, <laughs> you know were you abducted? Where's my son?" <laughs> he said, "Where's my son?" And it took it took a lot of conversations, a lot of talk, and and a lot of heart to hearts. And and I I live with that hope. There's a situation, there's a circumstance in your life right now that you would love hope to materialize, wouldn't you? It's true for each and every one of us, no matter what it is. But you see, that's the thing we cannot, cannot, cannot forget about Christmas. Is that what it brings to us each and every year, regardless of what the year has been like, is a sense of hope that nothing else in this world could ever give us. The hope that is found in Jesus. And, the, you know, the angels weren't kidding. For I bring to you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you. For the hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And yeah, I, uh, I, I do feel, Lord, that any hope outside of Christ and what we're reminded of this Christmas really is a counterfeit. Or it has an expiry date. But when we hope in Christ, when we have faith in Christ... There's no expiry date. And the potential for hope and a better world and a better life is always a potential. So thank you, Lord, as we come together to celebrate these scant few days before Christmas. And we pray that for each one who is here, that their heart would once again align itself to the meaning of what it is to dare greatly, to dare greatly in faith, but to also dare greatly because we place our hope in the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his life, for his birth, for his death and resurrection and what it means for each and every one of us. In Christ's name, amen.